The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Money, 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 money. We're talking today about one of the world's most frightening and demanding subjects, money. But before we go any further, you should know that I'm no Susie Orman wannabe. I'm not talking to you about money because I have financial advice for you about how you should manage your money, your portfolio, or your budget. I'm talking to you about money today because it scares me. And I'm betting that it scares you too. So today's show is going to be all about that fear and how we together can overcome it. The first thing we need to look at is something that seems so basic to our everyday life that we hardly ever stop to question it. And that is the connection between money and work. So let's begin by looking at a conversation, a fictitious conversation, between Mr. Everyman and me. I'm the questioner, and he's the answerer. And I'm going to play a bit with the accent and the voice so that you can distinguish between the question and its answer. So it goes something like this. How, Mr. Everyman, does one earn one's keep? You look. Okay, when one's working, what is happening inside of him? He's feeling as if he matters, he's doing the right thing, he's earning his keep, and depending on whether or not he likes his job, he's either content with it or he's miserable. Doing the right thing. Hmm. What is that? What is the right thing? Well, the right thing is the right thing. You know, it's the thing that everyone knows is the right thing. Everyone? Okay, well then, what does one, what does the right thing, when one does the right thing, does it please everyone? Oh, you're not doing it to please everyone. You're doing it because it's right to do. Well, let's explore that for a moment. Suppose you don't do the right thing. What's that like inside? Well, you feel guilty. What's that like? It's bad. It's bad. Nobody wants to feel guilty, right? What's it like to feel guilty? Well, you don't feel like much. You feel like you're no good. No good. Are you saying that you don't value yourself as much as you feel and when you feel no good? Yeah, that's it. No good is like worthless. So if you don't do the right thing, you're feeling pretty worthless. Yeah. Okay, what's below that? What creates that feeling of worthlessness? Well, you know, it's wrong not to do the right thing. How do you know it's the right thing? Because, well, think about it. Who thinks that not working is the right thing? So you know it's the right thing because to not do it is the wrong thing. Oh, no, wait a minute. You know it's the right thing because everybody does it. Everybody knows it's the right thing to earn money and take care of your own business and take care of your family. Everybody knows that. Okay, so how did everybody get to know this? Hmm. Everybody knows it because of money. Money? 
Yeah, money. Everybody's got to have money to live. You don't have money, you don't live. So how did we get there? How did money get to be the way we live? I don't know. We just made money and we thought it was a good way to stop trading things. Okay, so, so trading things. What do we trade? Anything. Anything. We trade cars for money, jewels for money, houses for money, food for money. Okay, but what about right and wrong? How does that fit in? You know, if you don't have money to trade for these things, then you don't got these things. And, well, everybody wants these things. Okay, everybody wants these things. What has that got to do with right and wrong? Think about it, man. If you don't have these things, you are nobody. You ain't got nothing. And if you ain't got nothing, you've got nothing to give to nobody else. So, good and bad? It's bad to be nobody. You can be somebody if you got money. If you're nobody, you're nothing. So being nothing, that's bad. Yeah, it's bad. Who wants to be nobody? I don't know who would want to be nobody. Who would want to be nobody? Somebody who's just scummy, no good. Somebody who's just worthless. Worthless. Okay. How does a person get to be worthless? As you know, he's just no good. So what's a good, no good person look like? Well, he's just bad. He's thinking only of himself. He's taking from others. He's just bad. Okay, thinking only of himself. How does that fit with working? Oh, he's lazy, he just sleeps in, he doesn't get up and go to work, he's thinking only of what he wants when he wants it. Do you ever think about what you want? Sure I do, but I don't do it. I don't just go do what I want. I think all the things I should be doing. You can't just do what you want. Why not? Because that would be doing nothing. We want to do nothing? Well, yeah, who wants to go to work when you can stay home and just do what you want? What do you want? I want money. I want enough money to buy for me and my family the things we want. So you're doing what you want. Yeah. So then, is doing what you want a bad thing? It is if you don't get what you want. Okay, I see. So you can have two different wants. Sure, you can have lots of wants. That's why you can't trust it. That's why you have to do what you have to do. You can't trust wants. No, you can't. But you just said you wanted money. Can you trust that want? Yeah, because it's telling me to do the right thing. What right thing? Work. Work for my money. So how would you know if a want were telling you to do the wrong thing? The wrong thing is the thing that makes you nothing. So the right thing is the thing that makes you something, somebody. Yeah. How do you know when you're somebody? People like you. They want to be with you. They think you're okay. So you sort of fit in. Yeah, you fit in, but you're not doing it to fit in. I told you, you're doing it because it's the right thing. But I'm still confused. How do you know it's the right thing? It's the right thing because you know, you know, you you won't feel like nobody if you do it. So feeling like nobody, that must be the worst thing, huh? Yeah, that that's it. That's it's the pit. Nobody wants to feel like nobody. Okay, so let's take this one step further. If you had all the money in the world and you used lots of that money to travel and pay off debts and give some to the poor, then what? What would you do with your days then? Oh, I already know that. I'd be a glass blower. Why would you do that? Because I love it, man. It's the coolest thing. Let me tell you about it. Wait, wait, wait. Before we go there, would you be happy doing this? Oh, yeah. Would you be wrong to be doing what you wanted then? I don't know. I have enough money to do it then. Wait, I'm confused. A little while ago, you said it was wrong to just do what you want. Well, I meant, I, I meant that if you're not working, it's wrong. You, yeah, you know, you, you, you've already earned your keep now. 
So by having money already, you're saying to the world, it's okay to do what I, I want now. Yeah, they, they, they understand that. They might be jealous, you know, but they'd understand. Okay, let's say you got your money from the winning sweep, from winning sweepstakes. Does that still mean you had earned your keep? No, I'd feel bad. I, I guess I might give a little more to the poor people because you hadn't earned it. Yeah, you, you, you have to earn your keep. It's, it, it's not as good when you don't earn it. So earning makes you good, not earning makes you bad. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. Okay, let's go back to glass blowing. What keeps you from glass blowing now? <laughs> That's scary. I wouldn't be sure I would earn enough money that way. What, what if I couldn't make it? What if you couldn't? Then what? Well, I guess I'd get another job. Sounds like you have a backup plan, so what keeps you from doing it for your career? Oh, man, I just do that for fun. Fun? Yeah, it's so cool. So if you did it full-time for your work, I mean, would it stop being fun? Well, I don't know. I doubt it. I, I really love doing it. So if you could do it full-time, you could have fun all the time. Whoa, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. What do you mean? Well, wow, uh, that would just be great. I mean, but it's scary. You know, you'd have to make it. You'd have to make it work. How would you do that? Well, you'd have to get a name for yourself. You know, you'd have to be good at it. Are you good at it? Well, I think so, but but what? Well, it's scary. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid of not making it. But you just said that you have a backup plan. Yeah, but, you know, you start off on your own like that, taking all those risks. People think you're some kind of dreamy-eyed jerk. Would you think that you were a dreamy-eyed jerk? Yeah, I mean, you can't just drop everything and do what you want. Why not? You said you had a backup, backup plan. Because, man, that's stupid. It's wrong. You can't just do that. Why not? It's just not right. What's not right about it? Look at it. Everyone else is out there slaving away at their jobs, and I'm just going to quit my job and start doing what I want? But you'd be working. You'd be doing a job. What's wrong with that? It's too, uh, it's, it's too foo-foo, man. It's too easy. Easy? Okay, easy is wrong. I'd be ashamed to tell anyone I was doing that. Why? Because they're all working so hard, doing stuff they hate. And look, they're starving people out there. Why should I be the one who gets to do all that I want to do? Why shouldn't you be the one? I guess I just feel guilty. Guilty for what? Guilty for being the one who gets the good stuff while everyone else is suffering. So if everyone else were not suffering, if everyone else were doing what they wanted, it would be okay? Well, I'd feel better about it. Would you feel better if you didn't just quit your job and go do it? Maybe if you kept your job and did it on the side and then gradually grew it into a business? And I am so exhausted when I come home from work. No way. So I guess what you're saying is that work that's hard is good, but easy work is bad. Well, I guess kind of. It's just that I'd feel bad. You'd feel bad. Bad as in worthless like we said a little while ago. Yeah, it's, I'd feel like it was just wrong, even if it made you really happy. Yeah. But I'd still question it. Okay, that's the end of our conversation with Mr. Everyman. What we can conclude from this circular conversation is that we've attached all kinds of agendas regarding work and money to our sense of ourselves as functional and worthy people. So we believe that to work is good, to not work is bad, to work at easy work is bad, to work at hard work makes it work and therefore makes us worthy people. Somehow the idea of no pain, no gain has gotten this idea of our work ethic glamorized into something that is meant to sound a bit like sacrifice. So if I'm sacrificing my joy and happiness and authenticity, then I'm a worthy person. But if I'm not sacrificing my joy and authenticity and I go after my dream, well, I'm 
what every man called a dreamy-eyed jerk. Or maybe we can do both. So this idea of work has become a, a notion that we've built into our idea of ourselves. And the truth is that career and relationship are the two main things that, um, that we use in our adult life to sort of um, authenticate ourselves, manifest our dreams, become the essence of who we are, if we're doing it authentically. But it's more likely that if we've put on a mask and costume early in life, we're doing both those two things, relationship and career, in a way that's not quite authentic. So we're going to have some more questions and some more answers right after the break. We won't talk to every man again. He's done. But we will be talking to you about your notions of money. Tune in again in just a few minutes. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology. A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor in sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor in sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back, thanking me for my concerns, and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who will work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. 
We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Okay, so we're back with Authentic Living, and we're talking about money today and uh, what that means to us, the fear of money, which I carry in my gut sometimes. I've gotten less and less afraid of money over the years as I've begun to really understand that the universe does take care of me. I've had several instances in my life in which um, uh, it seemed that it was inevitable that I was going to crash and burn financially, but I didn't. I started following, as Joseph Campbell puts it, my bliss, and the money did indeed follow. Um, so, I, you know, I don't recommend that people go jump off a cliff and quit their jobs and, and, and go running after some idea or ideal, but rather to be smart about that. But in my own experience, what I did was I left one job and that was at, I was at the top of my field as a clinical director in mental health, and I, I left that job and I went um, into private practice. And um, it was pretty scary that first month. And then I started getting contracts. And then every time I would start thinking, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? I would either get another contract or something else would happen with my practice. My caseload would grow or something like that. And over the years, I've begun to understand that the ebb and flow of clients and and the financial uh, cash flow is, uh, is just really a part of that that wax and wane of the energy in the world, and it never really affects me. I am always doing okay financially. So um, uh, I had a, a one particular instance I'll tell you about that was really pretty bizarre. Um, I had to go into my car and look for something for my son who had a broken foot at the time, and I went under the car seat and pulled out some trash that had been stuffed under there, and with it I was looking for a book for him, and with it came a $500 Brazilian note. Now, I thought it was funny money, and I took it into my son, who was my walking, talking encyclopedia, and I handed it to him, and I said, what is this? And he said, well, I don't know. It looks real to me, so why don't you check it out with the bank? Well, I called the bank the next day and uh, was unable to get anybody to tell me anything about it, so I just put it in my billfold and forgot about it because I thought it was funny money. Well, about three months later, I was doing some therapeutic weekends, and I, I, I took a loss of $500, and I was paying my bills, and as I was going through my billfold, I found that note. So this time I called the bank, and I got someone, and they said, come in, let us look at it. So I took it in, and they couldn't, uh, that particular bank couldn't handle it, so they sent me to another bank, which meant I went upstairs to their foreign currency department, handed it to this woman, and she turned around and handed me something like $487. That was the end of that. So, of course, my loss was not a loss at all. Um, and so where did that Brazilian note come from three months before I needed it? Well, I just can't tell you. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. I call it my Brazilian angel. But somehow it really was convincing. I remember leaving that day and saying, uh, you know, uh, looking in the mirror, uh, rearview mirror of my car and sort of having a talk with the divine and saying, you don't really think this is going to make me trust you now, do you? So <laughs> we do tend to uh, tend to hold on to old ideas, and they, they just, stay with us almost on a cellular level. So I can't say that I don't have any more fear of money. I do. 
But over the years, I've become a lot more peaceful, and money and I have a better relationship because I see it not as the end-all and be-all of my survival. My survival does not depend on money. It depends on um, my relationship to my divine energy. And uh, so that's how I see it. Uh, The deal is that money in the world has a history. It wasn't always here. We didn't have money once upon a time back in the caveman days, and maybe who knows how many centuries after that. We just didn't have money. For a while, barter was barter. You traded a thing for a thing or a time for a time or whatever. However that worked out, you bartered. And eventually, we began to understand that you could trade money for a thing. And over time, that became our economics and the base of our trade. And so now, it's hard for us to even imagine a world where money is not the primary way of surviving. But if you you think about it, once upon a time, it wasn't here. Now it is here. We created it. We have developed our economic um, foundation. We are the ones who did that. That was not a divine order. <laughs> that was us. We did that. And we can undo it anytime we all collectively agree to undo it. So, you know, the point I'm making here is that money, if it wasn't always here and it doesn't always have to be here, how can it be our primary method of survival? We need to change our attachment to money uh, so that it, it is not... Um, the end-all and be-all of our survival. So that's one of the things. The other thing is that very often when I teach workshops, I ask people to to tell me uh, what they would like to have. If I could give them anything in the world they would like to have, what that would be. And very often, as a matter of fact, the majority of the time, people say, I want to win the sweepstakes. I, I want to win the sweepstakes. Well, what is the sweepstakes? Well, $10 million right now, public, Publishers Clearinghouse. Um, uh, so... Yeah, they want to win a lot of money. So I ask them, okay, what? let's say you can have that money. Let's say you just won the sweepstakes. What are you going to do with it? So their first answer is I'm going to pay off my debts. I'm going to pay for my son's or my daughter's hospitalization or treatment or whatever they need. I'm going to, uh, you know, go on some trips. I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to buy a house I've always wanted to have. And then after that, I'm going to just kind of settle into it. And, I'm going to, and I say, well, okay, what, what have you got? Now you've done all that. What have you got? And their answer is inevitably, I've got peace of mind. So my response to that is, okay, what you were really looking for was peace of mind. The money was just the method you used to get there. Okay? And we can grow peace of mind anytime, day or night. So we talk a lot in in the secret and um, and, and several the laws of books about several of the books out there about laws of attraction. We talk about money and how we're going to attract money, and how we're going to, um, you know, that becomes the end. I'm going, to, I'm going to become a millionaire. Okay, well, then what? What have you got after you've become a millionaire? You've got a lot of money. What is it? What does that mean? It means you can do other things now that you've wanted to do. So there's lots of ways of being able to do those things. I mean, people say, I want to travel. So I talk to clients all the time. They want to travel. This is one of their dreams. They want to travel. So I say, okay, well, let's let's think about travel. And they, their first response is, well, I got to have money to travel. I can't travel. I don't have money. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's be creative here. Money cannot. Let's throw money off the table for just a minute, just so we can think outside the box. And let's let's talk about creating your dream of travel. Well, then we're talking about all kinds of things, from working from an to an air with an airline company where you get um, complimentary travel. Uh, to uh, to working for a travel agency where you get travel, to becoming a, uh, a tour guide, 
to uh, moving, literally moving to another country, you know, that's just four ideas right there just because we threw money off the table. So you see what I'm saying is that there's lots of ways to get to travel. I knew a person one time who who actually um, wanted to live in this house in the mountains, and uh, and one day uh, somebody that they knew from long ago and forgotten all about died and left them a house in the mountains. And that's how they got their house in the mountains. They didn't have to have money to get it. It just came to them because it was theirs to have. And that's what I believe ultimately is that we will have what is ours to have. And there's a there's a passage in Isaiah 55:11, and if you don't believe in the Bible, that's fine. Uh, you don't have to. But the passage is very poetic and poignant, and it can be quoted just like Shakespeare and the other wise saying. And that's how I take it. Uh, and the passage is. Um, my word will not return to me empty. And what it is is a dialogue between God and Isaiah, and God is basically saying the rain comes down because I want it to and it waters what I want it to, and, you know, I'm going to be in charge of this and I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that what I put out there as my word, my creation, is going to be fruitful. And so uh, the way I, I take that is, you know, whether you believe in God or not, that's irrelevant. Whether or not you believe that Isaiah really had a conversation with God is irrelevant also. What we're talking about is the energy of money. What we're talking about is if I'm to have something, then it will be mine. If authentically I am to have that thing, then it will be mine. And um, so, you know, the idea in the secret and in the law of attraction is to go ahead and make it yours in your mind, and then you draw it to you. So, you know, the first step to me with regard to uh, uh, Rhonda Byrne's book, The Secret, and uh, the various books, the Hicks books and the various other books on the law of attraction, uh, is that we need to figure out what it is we want first, not money. Money is the method. method money is the how to get there. So we don't even be asking, how much money do I need? That, that uh, destroys the whole idea that the energy that is ours is ours. Uh, so we, we need to take money off the table for just a few minutes and then ask yourself, what is it you really want? What do you really desire? What is your soul's longing? What do you want? Very often I find that what we want is something that we want to do, and now we've come back to work. What we think of as work, you know, um, we, we talk about work a lot, like it's like we said in the beginning, that it's supposed to be very hard. And, you know, people even make the joke, uh, the, the joke well, that's why they call it work. Hello, I mean, because it's supposed to be hard. Well, actually, uh, you know, we also hear from movie stars and other uh, creative types who will say to us on on the air, they will say, you know, I get paid to do this. <laughs> it is so cool. I get paid to do this thing um, that they absolutely love doing. And they are a model for us in that regard because they, they're saying to us that, Work is meant to be fun. It's meant to be uh, fulfilling. It's meant to be your heart's and soul's longing fulfilled. So doing behavior, the things that we do every day, the tasks of our jobs are meant to be fun. And, and one of the things in my book, Restoring My Soul, a workbook for finding and living the authentic self, there's a chapter in there on career. And one of the things it talks about is going over your job's tasks every day that the things that you do on an everyday basis, not the things you randomly do, but the basic routine of your job and the tasks that you are doing as a part of that routine, and ask your, write them all down, each one little task that you do, write them all down, 
And then ask yourself a question. Do I like doing this task? Do I like doing this task? And the answer could be anywhere ranging the gamut from I like it a lot, I love it totally, to I hate it completely. So we're going to come back and talk about that some more in just a few minutes after the break. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh, There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt U.S. Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at skillsusa.org. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We're back with Authentic Living, brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology, a school meant to help you fulfill your dreams to help yourself and your world. So we're talking about money, 
And what we've discovered so far is that we've got a lot of mythology about money. We've carried around with us for centuries a a big story about money that it is our method of survival, that in order to survive, we must have money. But what we've discovered through our talk is that perhaps that's not exactly true. Perhaps we survive because of something much deeper. Perhaps we survive because the universe is really perpetuating our survival, not only the universe outside of us, but the energy of the uh, divine energy of the universe within us as well is perpetuating our survival. So when we rely on money, we may be missing the point. And uh, so that's what we're talking about today. What does money represent? Money actually, as we've said in the last segment, represents something that we want. I want something, and money is my pathway for getting it. Money is not the end-all and be-all. Money is a pathway for getting something I want, and it is not the only pathway. There are definitely other pathways. We mentioned uh, gifts that people give us. We mentioned other possibilities that we can use to think outside the box about how we can have what we want without just take money off the table for a few minutes and then get creative, and we find that, oh, man, there's a whole bunch of ideas about how I can have what I want that may or may not involve money. So uh, how and why should we make more money? Okay, well, uh, we, you know, money is um, a motivational force, but beyond, be- below the motiva- motivational force of money is the motivational force of fear. We fear not having money, therefore we, fear, we feel that we must make money. We fear that we won't have our dreams, therefore we feel that we have to have more money. We, we are basing our activities, our daily activities, on fear. And that's where sort of we left off last time when we talked about the tasks of your job, asking yourself, do you like those tasks? That's a very important question to ask because if you're in a job where 90% of the tasks you're doing are distasteful to you, you're in the wrong job. If you're in a job where um, 40% of the jobs you're doing, are, tasks you're doing excuse me, are, are distasteful to you but the rest of them are really wonderful to you, that it might be time to think about how you might be able to delegate that at least a good portion of that 40%. Uh, because there are ways to do your job and to do all of what you want uh, most of the time. I, I do recognize that there might be a few times in a day when we do things that we don't want to do. But my encouragement is to try to seek out jobs and tasks of those jobs that we are really delighted in. And that makes the energy of our our authenticity grow and grow and grow so that we draw more and more joy to our life and perhaps even that energy will draw uh, money. That's at least what a lot of the people from the Law of Attraction say, live in joy and you will attract the energy of money. So um, how, how, does, how is it that we should make more money? Well, I'm not sure there's any shoulds with regard to money, although I, I believe that Susie Orman would probably disagree with me in that statement. Um, she might tell you about how you can manage your budget with shoulds and how you can um, build your portfolio with shoulds and, and could give you all kinds of advice about that and, and very well-founded advice, I might add. I, I do like Susie, Susie's advice about that. But is that the, the way we should run our lives? Should we invest? Maybe. Maybe you should. Um, uh, should you manage your budget? Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Uh, we do need to be good stewards of what we have. Uh, but but is there an onus on us to make more and more money? I think the onus on us about making more and more money has something to do with a deep 
deep-seated belief that the more money we have, the more worthy we are. And that comes from something very archetypal. And now we're talking about the question of whether or not we're aware of all the archetypal drags on our consciousness that are related to money. Um, We have archetypal drags on our consciousness about all kinds of things, but money is a big boogie bear. And the reason that it is is because we have so attached it to survival, and survival is primal. Therefore, when we've attached money to something primal, then money becomes primal as well in our associations in our head. You know, there's tests you can take where somebody gives you a a word and you're supposed to not think and give another word right back. You're supposed to make an association. That's the kind of association I'm talking about, a link, if you will, in our brains about uh, what what a certain thing means. Um, So uh, we're making a connection between uh, money and 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 our survival. What does our survival depend on? Again, what we said in the earlier segment was our survival does not depend on money. It depends on the energy of our authenticity and the energy of the universe combined as one. And and uh, so I learned and and demonstrated that in the previous segment that um, money was not my method of survival. That I needed to rely on something much deeper than that. So I've repeated that a couple times, and I want to. I wanted to reiterate that because I think it's a very important point to make. Nonetheless, in spite of that, we have our archetypal drags on our consciousness related to money because money has become primal. All right, so how primal is money? Well, we're very, very afraid about money and of money. We're afraid we don't know what to do with it. We're afraid we don't know how to manage it. We're afraid that we might make a bad decision and that's going to affect our lives, our children, our livelihood. Our, our families, our you know, posterity. So we're we we have lots of fears associated with it because we think it has something to do with survival. And so that's why I'm I'm suggesting that we try to start working with that archetypal drag and say maybe my survival doesn't depend on money, but depends on something much more spiritual. Um, and. So we can look at all the different uh, pieces of archetype that are associated with money, but they all come down to survival. You must have money because your survival is at stake. But here's the thing. When we are not surviving well, according to the judgment of our particular culture or society, then we judge ourselves as being less worthy. And that's what we were talking with every man about in the first segment, that our worthiness is all t- uh, tucked in neatly to this whole concept of money and of survival. There are certain ways which we are allowed to survive <laughs> uh, in, in the permissions given to us by our, our culture uh, and other ways that we are not allowed to survive in the permissions given to us by our culture. And so certain methods of survival are bad and others are good. Um, and most of us would say some methods of survival are criminal. Uh, for example, selling drugs to children is criminal. It's not only uh, a, a criminal in its um, ethic, but it's also criminal because it's illegal. Um, so, so, you know, there's definitely things we can do that are, are, are criminal, but uh, in terms of survival, and, and I think part of the reason we do those things is because we think we must do them in order to survive. But we also attach our sense of worth to those things and tell ourselves that I'm, I'm a worthy person to the exact degree that I can survive better than other people survive or with more wealth than other people survive. 
And so we have sort of put people in a caste system um, in our social ethic. We have we've put people in, you know, so we call it socioeconomic um, levels. But really, in our judgments, those are castes. Um, in spite of the fact that we would argue with that, I know that every one of us, and myself included, would say, I don't have people in a caste system. But well, we do in our minds. Emotionally, we do. Poverty, people that are really poor fit in a certain caste system. And they're un- unworthy, and they're probably not ever going to get to be worthy. That's how we think of it. And yet, I've had days of poverty in my life. I came from a very poor background, but I, I don't think of myself that way. So you see, we have these archetypal drags that just pull us down into the sort of morass of what money represents in our culture rather than deciding for ourselves what really money means to us as individuals. And the more of us who change our idea about what money is, what it represents, the more we are changing our cultural attitudes about it as well. So I would encourage us all to look at the archetypal drags on money. Not only that, but to look at our shadow material about money. What is the shadow material about money? Well, we culturally we see it everywhere. I just mentioned it. The criminal ways that we try to make money through drug sales, through prostitution, through the use of people's body for uh, somebody else's pleasure, for to sell pornography, to uh, launder money, to, you know, there's all kinds of illegal ways that we use money because we believe that our survival is dependent upon it. The entire uh, uh, organized crime system's multiple systems that are operating in our country today through gangs and through uh, higher-order levels of organized crime are based on this whole premise that money is going to keep us alive, that that battles are fought and people should die, people should be killed because there's a threat to our system of making money. And uh, we see that more in a... a, uh, uh, less savage way in our corporate world so many times where um, there's a, a real bloody-at-the-top kind of mentality that's a cutthroat kind of thinking that is based on the need for power, which is based on the need for money, and all of that's wrapped up in some sense of uh, worthiness, that a person is worthy when they get powerful and have lots of money. And um, so... So that shadow material is out there for us all to see. We can all look at the cultural, societal shadow material and say, oh, those are the bad people. But really what what we're looking at is a mirror image of our own shadow material. Uh, One of the books that Caroline Meiss wrote called Sacred Contracts has in it, uh, uh, she, she, she talks about 12 different kinds of sort of identities or archetypes that people can live out of. Um, and one of those is the prostitute. She's not calling people prostitutes there. What she's saying is we have a mentality that means I will sell myself for money. And that mentality is, that prostitute mentality is based on the idea that we see out in the world that we call organized crime and drug sales and all of that. And we're, what we're really looking at is our own shadow material about what we're willing to sell out for money. We're going to come back and talk about that in the final segment tune in again in just a few minutes. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. 
Seventh Wave Network. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, <laughs> she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, <laughs> no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at bornlearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. SkillsUSA can help. What is SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA is life-changing. SkillsUSA is awesome. SkillsUSA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. SkillsUSA is amazing. SkillsUSA is motivating. SkillsUSA specifically prepares you for the workforce. SkillsUSA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states. SkillsUSA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. I'm doing something now that's going to be applicable in the real world, and those skills are going to be useful today in school and in five years when I'm working and for the rest of my life. On the web at skillsusa.org. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with the final segment of Authentic Living. And uh, what we've talked about today is the notion that money has been attached in our psyches to all kinds of mythology about our worth, our value as human beings, our um, survival, our primal needs to survive. And so there's a lot of archetypal drags on our consciousness related to money, and we need to clear that. And uh, the way to clear it is to begin to think differently, to take money off the table when you start thinking about your dreams and start thinking about, okay, how can I make my dreams come true? Because most of the time, if you'll really check, your dream is not for a million dollars. Your dream is for what you're going to do with that million dollars. So it's important for us to really process all the way through to what it is we really desire in order for us to have our desires met. I talk to lots of people who are very, very frustrated because they're trying desperately to implement the laws of attraction, 
and they're saying to me, "I don't get it. What's going wrong? How come I'm not attracting the law? The, I'm not attracting and manifesting like I feel like I'm supposed to be doing." And what I say to them is, "Let's look at where you started. Let's look at what you're basing your uh, this on." And very often, what I come up against is that they are trying to attract money without really asking themselves what they're going to do with that money once they get it. And if if we say, well, I would like to retire, well, let's go after that. Let's take our money off the table for just a few minutes and imagine all the different ways that you could retire without even thinking about money. And then we can put money back on the table again. But let's, you know, what we tend to think, because we've got these archetypal drags on our consciousness related to money, what we tend to think is money is the only way I'm going to get what I want. And it simply is not. There's lots and lots of ways for you to get what you want. Um, sometimes you can barter for them. Um, there's lots of, with the social networking we've got going on right now, there's lots of people out there bartering with other people for services and products that they want. And so, you know, that's a creative way that we can do that. Um, you, you might be able to get a gift. You might be able to ask someone for what you want. You might be able to work for it. You might be able to uh, uh, to to manage a way to get your dream without having to think about it being solely based on money. And the thing is that when we think of in money in large terms, we usually think of it being impossible. That's addressed in The Secret and some of the other books about laws of attraction by the Esther and Jerry Hicks um, and others. It, it is, uh, but it, the idea is that we think in, if we think in terms of large bits of money, large amounts of money, um, then we make it impossible for us to achieve it. And so we don't think we're ever going to have it. So that's another block that I see that people have with um, this whole concept of having their dreams come true. But let's stop just a minute here because we've talked about other people. I've received an email um, just a few moments ago uh, from someone by the name of Denise. And I'm not going to read her whole letter because I don't think that's why she meant she read it, uh, sent it to me to read on the air. So I'm not going to do that. But uh, the question she asked is that she's a certain uh, age, and she wants to know that she wants to say that you would think that by that age she would have figured it out by now. And the money thing is an issue for me, she says. And I was wondering if I could have a second career with what is most important to me. And asked, did I have any thoughts? Well, absolutely, I have some thoughts. We can have a second career that is important to us if we go after the second career that is important to us. How we do that? Well, first we have to plug in research. We have to look at what's what's out there, what's possible. You know, many years ago, back in the 1920s, they formulated a book called the Occupational Book of Titles. Um, and what it was meant to be was a book that said all the jobs that were in the world and their titles. Um, over time, that book has evolved and evolved and evolved, so it's had to include more and more titles. Well, um, now what we're discovering is that there's so much entrepreneurialism that people are able to formulate their own job title and do their own thing from their own homes. And so there's lots and lots of ways to, to have a second career, but it's going to take some research. It's going to take you saying, this is what I want and this is what I'm going after, and I'm going to commit myself to going after it. does not mean you jump off some cliff and quit doing something else that, that is providing for you financially at this moment. It does mean that you do some research, find out what's out there, find out if you think you would like it. Research does not include just finding out what's out there. It's also, well, how would I feel if I were doing that job? What about the tasks of that job? Would I like those tasks? I'm going to be there 8 to 10 hours a day. Would I like doing those tasks? Would they give me joy? Because I can tell you, if they would give you joy, then you are in your career path. Joy is evidence of being on the right path. 
joy, and peace, both, are evidence of being on the right path. We don't need to look for evidence in money. Money is not evidence of being on the right path. Sorry about that. It is not. That is what we've been taught. We've been taught that money is evidence that we're on the right path, and then we take that a step further and say, okay, now I'm worthy because I'm on the right path because I've got X amount of money. Not true. There are lots of people, and I talk to them, and some of you have talked to them, that are very, very unhappy in careers and in lives that they've created out of money. So, we all, I mean, we all say it, money, you know, money doesn't make you happy, la, 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 la. We all say that, but we, we in our archetypal, in our shadows, we don't really believe that. We believe we have to sell our souls to the devil for money. We believe that we have to do whatever it takes for money. And that's our shadow material. And so we need to look at that and name it and, and, and talk to it, have a dialogue with it, begin to uh, absorb that part of ourselves that, that is uh, primal, that does want to survive, and make it about life, not just survival, but life. If we, if we join together our shadow and our light, what we get is uh, a recognition of the depths of the roots of the tree, but we also get the heights of the tree as well. So uh, I never recommend that we throw out some aspect of ourselves, some thought, some belief. Where it's not going to work anyway. Tell me to stop thinking about a pink elephant, and the first thing I'm going to do is think about a pink elephant. So we're not going to be able to throw away some thought or some belief, but we can begin to merge with it. And by merging with it, what I mean is um, talking to it, dialoguing with it, recognizing it when it pops up, um, uh, loving it as if it's a little child who doesn't know any better. Um, you would never say to your child, well, if a child comes up to you with a, a pretty negative and um, untrue belief, you wouldn't say, well, you're going to have to leave now because you believe that. You wouldn't say that. You would say, well, let me take you in my arms and tell you another story. And that's what we need to do with our shadow material. We need to take it in our arms and tell it another story. And so the, the other story that I'm sharing with you today is a story that says we are not, um, our, our, lives, our lives are not based on money. Our lives are based on energy. Our lives are based on authenticity. It is not the tree's branches that keep the tree alive. It is the roots of the tree that keep the tree alive. And our roots are based in our authenticity. They are not based in the wind. They're based in our authenticity. So uh, there is a part of you that is deep and alive and full of wisdom and guidance and peaceful and has never been wounded and is visionary. That part of you can be accessed and it can give you direction. And the only direction we need is just enough light to see the next step. We don't need to know the whole path. We just need to know the next step. And so for some of you and for you, Denise, I would say your next step is to research what's out there and what, how would you feel doing what your dream is, is uh, what, you, what you second career, your second career option might be. How would you feel doing it? And then go for it and go for it and go for it and go for it and don't stop until you have it. And that doesn't necessarily involve money. It might. It might involve money, but it doesn't necessarily involve money. So, uh, again, what I'm saying to, to us today, I just want to sort of do a little um, summary here. What I'm saying is money is out there. It was created as a form of barter, and we have used it as a form of barter for so many centuries that we have begun to believe that it is the end-all and be-all, that to have money is to have not only um, survival but also a sense of worth. Um, to not have money is to not have survival or to be always on the edge or, or fringes of survival and to also not be a worthy person. And those archetypal drags on our consciousness 
keep us from manifesting our dreams. So I wish you, Denise, very well. I wish you your dreams. I wish us all our dreams uh, come true. And tune in again next week. We're going to be talking to Sue Patton Thole. Um, and remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.